Hello, photography lovers, and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast with me, your host, Virginia. The show is provided to you by me and the gorgeous editor called George. Today is a very different day because we're having here in the show a producer. And I'm super excited because Sherry's full of insights and full of knowledge, and she's so ready to share it all with us. How to form the right relationships in the industry. What does a producer do and how to become a producer? And if you don't want to become a producer and you're a photographer, for example, how to find the right producer. These are just some of the topics that we discussed today. But there are so many others and it's time for us to dive right in to the podcast. Hello, my name is Sherry Chu and I am a fashion photo producer working and living in New York City. Sherry, can you tell me, like to a little kid, explain to me what does a producer do? <laughs> well, a photo producer is someone who makes all of the logistics of the photo shoot happen. So once a job is confirmed and the rates have been negotiated for the artist, I just make everything happen. And it's finding locations and scouting and casting models, doing catering, finding the creative team. That's styling, hair, makeup, photography, manicurists, and pretty much ensuring that everyone on set has everything they need to function correctly and to create a harmonious and great dynamic for the team. I told you that I'm very excited for this podcast because you're actually our very first producer here in the show. And there was uh, something that I've been always wondering about that. Mm -hmm. I know that people in our industry usually rely a lot to their producer, but you're human. <laughs> you cannot know everything and everyone. So I'm really, really interested. Who are the people that you're relying on? That's a great question. When I first started, actually, it was really just about connecting and networking with individuals. I work a lot with a location scout because it is true, a producer. While we do wear many hats, um, we can't be specialized in every field. Mm -hmm. So I do outsource some of the work. For example, I work closely with a location scout called Andrew Simpson from Foundit Locations. He has a great catalog of locations and is super helpful. So I really rely on him a lot. There are certain hair, makeup, and styling teams that I really love to work with who are so easygoing and ready to you know, produce something right off the bat. Casting directors as well, they have great relationships with the model agencies and they're able to get great girls or guys. Yeah, so it's really a team effort. I can't say that I'm the one who does everything. It's really a joint effort from all members involved, which make you know, a magical shoot happen. How do you manage to establish all of these great relationships? Because you're very, very young. I'm very sure that we are at the same age. <laughs> <laughs> It's really just about being active. I mean, I was really lucky that I started my career in Paris working with a celebrity and fashion photographer, but that was primarily producing personal projects. So fashion stories and artistic works. And this really allowed myself to get my feet wet and kind of understand what production entailed. And then after moving to New York, and working on production on a more professional and commercial level. It's really just about being active, doing editorials, getting your name out there. Visibility helps a lot. I know that Instagram has been something super useful for me 
just because I, I personally look at credits for each photo shoot that I am interested in. And I know that other people are doing the same. Mm -hmm. So this really helps a lot. And it's word of mouth. You know, people recommend people when they do a good job. You mentioned Paris and you said so many amazing things. But in this show, we also love to fall in love with our guests. So please mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about your history. Tell us about Paris and about your background. I know what's your background, educational background, I mean, mm -hmm. but maybe the audience have no idea. So it's going to be very interesting for them, I'm sure. Sure. I would say that my interest in fashion started in high school in Hong Kong, where I began producing for my school's charity fashion show. So I went to middle school and high school in Hong Kong. And this carried into my college years in New York University as I started producing fashion shows there. And I majored in broadcast journalism and sociology. So I always thought that I was going to be a TV reporter, but fashion and all of my after school activities were much more interesting for me. So <laughs> I took another route. And eventually I met and fell in love with this celebrity and fashion photographer who was based in Paris. So I began working very closely with him as his producer, his art director, and his muse. And this really gave me a fantastic opportunity to conceptualize creative stories and make personal narratives come to life. Some of the best work I have produced are from this period in Paris. Mm -hmm. I've been highly fortunate to produce editorials and personal projects in places such as Japan, Mongolia, and Greece, to name a few. When my relationship with this photographer ended, this opened a brand new chapter for me in New York, where I am now the producer at Sea Management, which is a talent agency. We represent photographers, stylists, hairstylists, makeup artists, manicurists, prop stylists, the whole shebang for, <laughs> for your production. That's interesting. I was going to ask you why you decided to move to New York, but this love mm -hmm. story tells me a lot, actually. Yeah, it was a passionate experience and it was very educational because it really gave me the chance to express my own personal creativity and have a vision that was in my head, and I was able to piece all of the puzzle pieces together to create an impressive narrative. This was really the moment of my life where I was able to express myself creatively, I would say, working so closely with a photographer who was on the same wavelength as me, and now working in New York as a producer for multiple photographers and multiple teams. It's really rewarding to see different visions come to life. Was there any fear during this journey that maybe you won't be able to finish the job or do the things the right way? Oh, sure. In the beginning, I was doing everything for the first time and on a professional level and with new people. And it was really just learning as I went. There are some incidents that happened during commercial shoots where, for example, the photographer didn't show up with a camera. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> And we were working in a photo studio that didn't have equipment in-house. So it was just about thinking quickly on my feet and ordering the camera right away from a rental company and just being able to be proactive mm -hmm. and reactive, I would say. It's difficult, but with each experience, I learned something new and it makes the next photo shoot much easier. For sure. 
There are so many components to think about when you're doing a location shoot or a commercial job. When you're doing a low-key editorial, it's much more manageable because I have had a lot of experience with this, so it's um, it's mm-hmm. easier. But when there's a commercial job, you have other people to think about, like the client, and teams are bigger, so you have you just need to be more aware of everyone's needs. Yeah, you're kind of a caretaker. Exactly, I would say that the producer is kind of like the mother on set. You just want to make sure that everyone is happy and they have all the tools they need to do their job to the best of their ability. Do you usually take this attitude also in your personal life? I would say that it definitely carries over to my personal life. I do try to make the people around me happy. I would say, in some sense, that I am a giver and a caretaker. At sometimes I do forget about myself, <laughs> so I really need to, you know, take a step back sometimes and. When I'm off the job, to remember to do things for myself. This is very important. Yes, because if I don't do things, the things that I like or the things that nourish me, I won't be able to do a good job on set. So there's a fine line, and it's so important to maintain that work-life balance. It's very interesting for me because you've been working on very different continents, <laughs> working and living.、Mm-hmm. So where do you feel most like home? Well, I'm. Originally born and raised in New York, all of my family is in New York, so、mm-hmm. I will say that New York will always have me by the heartstrings. It keeps calling me back, no matter where I move. I always end up back in New York. I do feel very comfortable in New York. All of my family and friends are here, and in terms of work, it's great. All of the fashion industry is here. Everyone comes to New York once in their life. Things happen very efficiently here. I really enjoy living in Paris. I would find that. It is a more artistic and a bit of a slower lifestyle, which I do appreciate as well. I see myself ending up in Europe eventually, but for now, I would say that my professional career is destined to be in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like a big surprise—the fact that you decided to move back to New York. And tell us about the story of how you became part of scene management. When I moved back to New York, I knew that I wanted to do something related to fashion production. I found C Management because one makeup artist I used to work with was represented at C, and a hairstylist that I worked with in Paris is also represented at C. So I just met with them. Actually, I did the first interview during my birthday. Oh, <laughs> so maybe that was a sign of something good to come. I'm not sure. But I met with the executive producer at the time, and I met with the vice president and president of the company. It was just good vibes all around. I mean, everyone at the company is so sweet and so encouraging and really hardworking. And I think that they really listen to my career goals, and they want to support and push me in the direction that I want to grow in, which is amazing for a company who's so open and aware of their employees' needs and desires. So I just felt like it was a great fit. They are considered the quote-unquote nice agency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just—they're sweet. They're great. They're really talented, and they have great vision. So yeah, I, I just hit it off, and I've been with them for two years now, almost two years. That's awesome. And for the people that are also interested in production,、mm-hmm. 
and going in that direction. Would you please share a little bit more about the interview? If you had to show like a little portfolio, what what is like the portfolio of a producer for all of the people that have never seen something like this? What do you do on an interview like that? Maybe you can just help those people to prepare. When preparing for the interview, I I made my portfolio first of all. I made a nice iPad version of it.、Mm -hmm. I also made a website. Prior to the interview, I didn't have a website, and I think that a website and creating an Instagram account it really gives great access to your work. It's very easy; anyone can look at it. And I just started practicing for you know generic interview questions. I would say <laughs> like, what are your goals in five years? What is it you really want to do? What are your skills, your strengths? Yeah, and just how your previous experience can benefit the company. And mainly for interviews, I find that skills can be taught. Anyone can learn how to use Mac or use Photoshop or like be organized. These kinds of things can be learned, but I think that personality can't be taught. And I think that a lot of the interview is based on good personality, a positive attitude, and a good work ethic. Just as long as those things are in place, I think that you will have a good chance. Awesome! Thank you so much for this. And the website that you showed during the interview and the Instagram are they the same that you use right now? Yes, that is correct. Oh, do you want to share them with the audience? Maybe they want to take a look. Sure. So my website is www.sherrychu.com, and that that's where you can find all of my editorial and commercial work. Along with some videos, I have produced and edited. I was filming and editing a bunch of videos during the Cannes Film Festival when I was living in Paris. Awesome! I also work very closely with Shun Magazine, which is fashion magazine、uh, based in London, and I do a lot of their celebrity interviews. And now I'm producing a lot of their editorial content, so that can also be found on my website. My Instagram is Sherry dot Chu, and there you can find all of my work as well. <laughs> and guys, just as usual, you can also find them in our show notes because we've made it easy for you to just click. I was going to ask you about Chun Magazine. <laughs> Please share a little bit about the story behind it and how you met those people because. In one of the previous interviews in the Fashion Photography Podcast, we have Minxi White, ah,、oh, great, who is the beauty editor. I know her story, and I'm very interested also in yours. Ah, Minxi, I have never met her personally, but we have been in contact. I know she's in California. Yeah,、uh, her work is fantastic. That's great that you got a chance to interview her. She's an adorable person. <laughs> yes, she's great and such a personality too. I love looking at her pictures. Absolutely. <laughs> Shawn Magazine. So I actually used to do modeling back in the day. I worked with one photographer, and he submitted our pictures to Shawn Magazine. I believe it was like their ninth issue, something like that. It was in 2011, 2012, and it got accepted. And this is how I first discovered the magazine. And after graduating from college with a journalism degree, I wanted to write. So I contacted Raoul Kiel, who is the editor in chief and creative director of Shown Magazine,、mm -hmm. if I could write for them. And they said yes. So it really first started out with me doing fashion designer profiles and celebrity interviews, and I would go to Fashion Week as well in Paris, in Toronto, and in New York. 
I would go see all the shows. I would write reviews on them. I would organize the schedules of the other journalists and the photographers as well who were granted backstage access. So it was a lot of producing. And this actually was the beginning of my production career, I would say, because it required a lot of organization and fast deadlines and meeting new people and just, you know, making everything work seamlessly. And Raul and I, to this day, are great friends and we're still working together. He's an amazing person. Again, another person in the fashion industry who is very encouraging and supportive and loyal and very willing to listen to new ideas. A great mentor. You said another person in the industry. Do you think that there are many of those people in the industry? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I would say that there are people who will stick by your side and will grow with you and develop with you and who has the same vision as you. I think that there are people like this. There are other people in the industry who aren't as so or who are go-getters for sure and are very hungry for power and they're very ambitious. I mean, it's great for them. I'm not necessarily the same way. I just like to create. I like to be inspired. I like to work with people who are talented, but who are at the same time down to earth. I just really like to create and to be imaginative. I don't have to be on the cover of the magazine. I don't have to work with XYZ celebrity or this photographer. You know, it's just about feeling proud of the work that you do create. You know what? I'm going to be super honest with you. Because I'm a photographer, I really like to observe. What I have noticed so far is that usually the people that are just doing things genuinely from their heart are the people that sooner or later they're succeeding. Mm. And for the people that are just thriving to go forward, no matter what, yes, they also have success, but it's usually a very short-term success. They're booming at some point and then nobody remembers. Yes, I definitely do agree. I think that if you have a great personality and you're a joy to be with on set and you do your job well without thinking so much with a shark mentality, like you said, I think that people will take notice to that and will recommend you to other people and you will just grow and get bigger. I know that personally speaking, mm -hmm. when I have worked with sharks before and while they are super talented, It's not a very joyful experience to be with them on set. Yeah, it's mentally exhausting. Exactly. And I don't necessarily want to work with them for the next shoot, or I wouldn't necessarily recommend them because you just want to have fun on set. You want to enjoy. This is just how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. If I wanted to be in a super bad environment and just feel mm -hmm. very, very unlucky, I would just go work in an office. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the editorial we do is for free or we're investing money into it. So, I mean, you feel like you need to be getting something out of it and you need to be getting a positive experience out of it. Absolutely. For a commercial job, it's a bit different because there is money involved. But at the same time, life is so short. You, just <laughs> you need to be doing what you're enjoying. I love this. Yes, and work with people that you like. Absolutely. I love this. Tell us about your experience with Shown. Many people say that usually with online magazines, especially if you remember back then, exactly those years when you connected with the editor-in-chief, mm -hmm. these were the years when online magazines were booming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was an online magazine around every corner. 
And people were saying that they're never going to succeed, which is very funny for me because now we see exactly the opposite. Yes. <laughs> Many of the paper magazines are actually moving to online, which is interesting. But back then, there wasn't a lot of money in this industry, in online magazines. So how was it for you as an experience to go to these other countries, as you mentioned, other cities, and write for them? Honestly, it's been so rewarding. I find that when I have the opportunity to travel and to write about my experiences for a magazine, honestly, it's because I enjoy it and I find such pleasure writing. I do have a little travel guide. I used to travel quite often and I would write about my recommendations when it comes to restaurants or activities or nightlife. For me, it's just a joy to be able to share my experience with everyone. In terms of the online magazine aspect of it, I honestly do think that you generate much more visibility on online platforms nowadays. Having your name and your work printed in an actual published magazine is super. And I know a lot of people still push for that. In some ways, people think it's more legitimate to have your name printed on glossy paper. Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic. I don't know how many people are buying magazines nowadays. I do think that our media has switched to online platforms on websites or Instagram or whatever you use. I think that it's a faster means of communication. People generate mood boards online now. It's just more direct access. So I think that with uh, online magazines booming right now, they're right to do so. And I think it's okay to publish your work in online magazines. I think it's a great way to create new teams and to develop new relationships with editors. I know with Sean Magazine, once you create great content for their online platform and they want to see more of your work, they might commission you for their printed version. So it's a good way to get your foot in the door by starting online. This is also a great advice for the people that are wondering how to start as fashion photographers and what to do and how to approach the fashion editors, because it's an interesting story that a photographer should be so connected nowadays, so open. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, many people are turning to photography because they're super shy. <laughs> yeah. So it was a great advice for the people on how to approach magazines and It's very interesting that you said that you don't know how many people are buying magazines. I personally don't remember the last time I bought a magazine. <laughs> I just don't remember. It's been years and years. Exactly. And I personally like to get the magazine that my work is in. And I've spoken to a couple of photographers now, and some of them, they, they just don't care anymore. They're like, oh, it's so cumbersome to have magazines in the house. They just take up space. There's something quite nostalgic about having a magazine, I would say. It's, it's really nice to hold a physical yeah. copy of your work. But at the same time, I don't know who's buying it anymore. <laughs> Me neither. I'm always having the printed issue in my house and in my studio, but I'm just getting it from the editors and that's it. I'm never buying it. Right, right. I don't know who's buying them. That's true. <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> Where can people usually find you if they're looking for a producer? How do they find you? I know about your website now and all the audience also know about it, but you maybe have some feedback from the people that you're working with on how they found you. 
Maybe it's word of mouth. Maybe it's something else. I think it's from my website and I think it's from Instagram. I actually do a promotional push once an editorial comes out. I have a list of fashion blogs or fashion website that I do a little email blast, like a new editorial for Vogue Taiwan. And then I attach the images with all the team credits and these fashion websites repost the pictures. And it's kind of like a domino effect. Once they publish the work on their website, other people who view it, they do the same on theirs. So it's a great tool that I use. I also use preview.com, which is P-R-E-V-I-I-E-W.com. And it's a website that shows work from, you know, high caliber artists. I use this for some of the photographers and stylists at Sea Management. It's just a great way for people to see your work. And with the work that I produce, I attach my name to it. And I guess that then people search and they find my email address on my website. And that's how it happens. It's very exciting, actually, that your work is not stopping right after the photo shoot. You're still pushing for those photographers and those teams. Yeah, that's true. So there's the pre-production, there's the actual production, and then being on set, and then there's the post-production. I'm not so involved with retouching, but I am involved with the image selection. I am involved with the uh, page layout. I am involved with doing the promotional push after the photo shoot as well, and making sure that the editorial gets as much visibility as it can because you never know who might be looking at your work you know you never know which client may pick up on it i know that i uh, produced a shun editorial back in the day with the paris photographer and i just did a little push and a eyewear or glasses client in italy saw the editorial contacted the photographer and hired him for a glasses campaign just based on that editorial. So even we do editorial as an investment for our future to secure prospective clients because we want to all feel inspired. We all want to feel that magic in imagery. So you never know who might be looking. It's very important to push your images and not just let them sit in your computer database because no one's going to see them. Mm -hmm. You know, good work needs to be shared. It's so amazing to me that you said that you're also investing in those photo shoots because we talk to many photographers here and everyone is talking how important it is to make personal projects and that from those personal projects, you can gain a lot of clients. But usually the thought of the people is that if you hire a producer, you're usually exactly hiring them. So people are stopping a little bit themselves of talking mm -hmm. to a producer because they think that even for an editorial or for a personal project, they'll have to pay even more. We both know that usually an editorial can, can cost a lot. So mm -hmm. if you have to pay to everyone in this chain, super long chain, you're going to end up broke <laughs> <laughs> until you have this client who's going to pay everything. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And if the people listening to this podcast should be afraid to ask a producer for their help? I think that having a producer is definitely really useful in order to get all of the components of the shoot together. They might have connections or resources that the photographer is not aware of. I understand that it can cost a pretty penny. I know that when I do editorials, um, the team members are not paid. 
when I am very passionate about a project, I, I don't necessarily accept a fee either. If I know that the photos will be great and the photos will lead to something else, I mean, all of the expenses should be covered at least and the catering. But other than that, I know that the team members generally uh, do not accept a fee if they know that they're investing in their portfolio in their images. So I would say to these photographers, it doesn't hurt to reach out. You should always try. You should always contact producers. You should always contact any team member just to put your name on their radar because you never know. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> Absolutely. For the people who have never had interactions with producer, let's do this little role play and uh, go through the basics. Okay, sure. If I'm a photographer who really wants to work with a producer, and let's say that I find you through your website from one of those previous websites that you mentioned, and somehow mm -hmm. I'm ending up looking at your productions and I love them. So I want to talk to you. What are the steps that I need to be prepared of beforehand, before I approach you? Mm -hmm. If we talk, let's say, for an editorial, and if you have any questions to clarify the story, just go ahead. It would be great to come up with a mood board, or if you have a specific idea in mind, to pitch it to the producer. I think that this would be helpful, or if you have a magazine in mind already. I think that a lot of photographers come to producers just as a, you know, a blank slate, which is great as well, but you kind of give the impression that you want the producer to do all of the legwork, which is finding the magazine and finding the team and finding the idea and finding the mood board. I think that if the photographer comes with something already on the table, it makes me more keen on responding to that person. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just an email to connect and I really like the photographer's work, I'm very happy just to take a meeting to connect and to learn more about that person. Sending a general email describing where the photographer comes from a little bit and why he would like to work with that producer is helpful as well. But again, just not expecting the producer to do all the work, but come with some idea or story already prepared, this would be very helpful. Sounds awesome. Once I approach you and we have this initial meeting, we talk about the project and you love it. I do too, of course, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so once we're ready with this, would you say that it's better to have, let's say, a magazine confirm that they're going to, as much as they can have it confirmed, you know? Do you think that they are supposed to talk with the magazine beforehand or after the editorial has been made? I think it's definitely useful to pitch the mood board beforehand because I know that the fashion stylist most of the time will require a pull letter or a letter of recommendation mm -hmm. from the magazine to access press agencies to pull clothes. I have connections to some magazines. I think it will be super useful for a photographer to also team up with a fashion stylist who has access to other magazines. And it's also definitely very useful for the photographer to start generating their own relationships to magazines. I know that a lot of people come to me expecting magazine editorial just to magically happen. And while I can make it happen, it's just I have a limited amount of magazines I'm connected to. So it's good to pull all of our resources together 
and see which mood board or which idea would best suit which magazine. And I'm more than happy to also pitch to other magazines that I'm not currently working with because you never know who will pick up on it. I think this is very interesting part because you can also want to work for a particular project simply because the photographer, let's say, have connections with a magazine you don't have in your portfolio. Right. This is going to be very interesting for you too. Yes, exactly. And it's, it would be very beneficial for me as well if there's a photographer who's worked with different team members or different magazines or different clients that I haven't worked with before. This is a great way to open the doors to those other outlets for sure. I really hope you like this interview and that you're ready for more because next week we'll continue with the rest of the interview. You can find all of Sherry's links in the show notes on photographypodcast.net. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. If you're thirsty for more, just check out our Facebook group called Fashion Photography Lovers.